welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Summeru. Hey everybody, today we are talking about biotech, and specifically we're talking about how to start a company from scratch in biotech. If you're from health tech like me, or even if you spent a little bit of time in biotech or pharma, it still might be a bit of a mystery of how exactly do people go about starting a biotech company? What's actually involved? How do you go from having an idea to all of a sudden creating a drug from scratch or doing something in genetics or all of these wonderful things that um, the biotech space is full of? So how exactly do you do that? Well, um, it may not surprise you that most of these ideas from people I've spoken to on this podcast don't actually come from uh, people just having a, a light bulb moment in the pub or in a dream and then all of a sudden starting this thing. It actually starts with, um, if you look at Vishal, a few decades in the industry. So this clip is from uh, Vishal Doshi. He is uh, an industry veteran. He's uh, the founder of Orm Biosciences. And he talks on this episode about how he had the idea, how he gave that idea to so many people. We've talked about feedback on this so much, this podcast, and he gave this idea to lawyers and industry experts and investors and his friends and didn't want to hear any good ideas from it or any good positive feedback. He just wanted to hear uh, the negative. He wanted to hear how he could improve anything constructive. And so uh, opening yourself up with that sort of humility to to take that kind of ego hit as to why your idea is terrible and why it won't work eventually obviously gets you onto more of the things that will. Um, but yeah, knowing how to get inspiration too is what comes up in here. And Vishal talks about how for six months he spent time on a specific bench, which is the bench that he would go to in, in Singapore to think about this and to uh, ruminate out on his ideas and to come up with a company. Um, so yes, lots in this uh, about practically how to go about starting, I guess not only a biotech company, but a lot of these principles of uh, of feedback and... and um, humility are probably much more widely um, applicable than just biotech but yeah have a listen to this and see what you think if you can as practical as possible what did you actually do because for a lot of people listening will think you know starting a biotech company that is for other people i don't know how to do that i don't even know what's involved that's what a lot of people will be thinking nuts and bolts from an idea to reality, let's talk about it. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, I, I guess just to put a caveat on that, that I am a first-time entrepreneur. So what I'm going to tell you, uh, even though I've worked with different companies, that journey that I'm going to tell you is going to be something that I've lived every single day uh, of my life. <laughs> right? So it, it really starts. It really starts from a time when I started spending uh, say a couple of hours, uh, as I told you, I'm in Singapore. I live very close to the beach, uh, over here. And, uh, I, I found a bench on, on the beach, uh, in Singapore. Uh, and I spent six months on that bench, uh, James. And, and I used to come at, I used to go to that, uh, bench 9am in the morning, sit until 5.36, 6pm, 6 uh, in the evening. Uh, Starbucks was there, uh, became my friend. Um, over there as well. And I did that for six months. Uh, to go to the nuts and bolts, what I did, it took me a couple of months to write a thorough business plan. 
Um, and intentionally what I did was I actually gave that to some of my network that I had. I actually gave the business plan to two investment bankers. I gave that business plan to my uh, lawyers' uh, friends. I gave the business plan to a couple of industry experts I knew. And I told them, you know what? I don't want to hear good things of this present day, of this business plan. Uh, poke as many holes as you can in this business plan, right? Um, and uh, what the feedback I got from them uh, really made the company uh, where it was from day one, right? Um, and and again, uh, understanding the the uh, points where I could fail. Uh, was much more helpful than understanding the points where I could succeed, right? Uh, there's there's enough people that would follow you if you are successful, but there's very few people that will follow you if you are a failure, right? I sat down with those guys. I told them to give me a list of breakdowns of uh, uh, all the points that, uh, that would cause a potential failure uh, to this business plan. Uh, and I took that feedback on board. Um, one thing I can tell you uh, during this journey was always keep your ears open. Uh, as my mother used to tell me this, uh, God has given you two ears, one mouth for a reason. Listen more, <laughs> talk less, right? <laughs> Excellent. Right. Uh, so so I, I, I use that um, and uh, simple things like that, right? Um, and uh, once that whole business plan was ready, uh, I I sat down and said, okay, now we need to start gathering a few people around. I sat down with my family, uh, my uh, wife. As you can imagine, the decision was very important as well. Uh, so sat down with my wife, sat down with my family. And um, my God, having a supportive family changes the perception on the plunge you want to take, right? Mm -hmm. And especially this was not a spawn plunge, right? Uh, my uh, my seed round was $1.5 million. My uh, follow-on rounds were also there, but this just to get that seed money was very crucial uh, to start off with that, right? Just that a quick question to jump in, sorry. On the, um, on the business plan that you wrote, what was the idea at that point? What was the, what was the just the initial framework at that point the problem you were solving and your solution what was that so the problem was what i told you earlier there's a lot of science which is sitting in universities biotech companies and even big pharma companies uh, that do not make it to the market not for scientific reasons but mainly for strategic and financial reasons okay. and you and then the the problem we were trying to solve was we don't want this science uh, to be uh, to be sitting on the shelf uh, and not get the patients, right? So the initial strategy, and this still remains the current strategy, is we work with the big pharma companies, the biotech companies, and universities to acquire the technology. And we have a core expertise in our company. And the core expertise is taking the drug from preclinical uh, all the way to clinical proof of concept. And that's where the maximum failure happens, right? Um, the, just to give you some percentages, between clinical, uh, between preclinical and clinical proof of concept, uh, on an average, it's an 8% success rate, right? Um, wow. So if we were to increase that 8% success rate to 30%, 
just by the sheer size of 8% to 30%, you're talking about a massive change in how many drugs can actually be made, uh, taken to the market. But more importantly, how much money you could save in that whole life cycle where a company says they spend close to $2 billion to develop a drug, uh, just by changing that 8% to 30%, you're talking about a significant change in the amount of money that will be needed to actually develop that part of it, mm. right? And I often say this to a lot of people, uh, James, that what the pricing that you see in the, uh, in, in the market right now, it's not necessarily pricing that a pharma company puts in as a cost of success only, right? It's, it's basic economics. It's cost of success plus cost of failure in factored uh, into it, right? So the one way of changing that is uh, you reduce cost of success uh, and you reduce cost of failure, right? So the business model was really around that, that we take drugs at late preclinical or we take a, acquire these technologies, take it until a registration enabling package, and then we give it to a big pharma company and we tell them, you know, mm. this package is ready to go. We know you have great commercial capabilities. Please go and commercialize these drugs, right? Got so it. that was the business model. And that's, that's where we, we feel the sweet spot is uh, for the company. Got it. When you say that there was, you know, it might not go forward for not for scientific reasons, but for strategic and financial reasons, what are they? What are examples of those reasons? So I'll give you, uh, I'll give you a uh, example, not a specific company or anyone, but I'll give sure, you an sure, example. Sure. A public company, a publicly listed company has certain financial limitations on how much they can show on their balance sheet in terms of the R&D expenditure. Yes. Okay. Um, if you show less, that's a problem. If you show more, that's a problem. Uh, <laughs> so the yeah. the ratio of, the ratio of revenues to an R&D expenditure is always uh, scrutinized by all the retail investors and so on. Interesting. And uh, the, the second reason is oftentimes because the science is advancing so fast, right? Um, in 2021, if the flavor of the season was mRNA, uh, which, is where, which is what everybody is interested in, you never know. In 2023, the flavor of the season might be some completely different, something completely different. Talking nice. about cell, cell, cell therapies, gene editing. The, the science nice. keeps on growing, right? Um, and because the science keeps on growing, the the other molecules which were in development by these pharma companies take a backseat, right? So they always everybody wants to be at the cutting edge uh, of Got the it. development. So a couple of examples that come to my mind uh, on that, um, and uh, it, it just helps you to understand that the does not mean the science is bad. It's just sometimes the strategic direction of the company changes or the financials of the company look different as well, right? So a couple of examples mm. just to give you an understanding. That's awesome. Yeah, I completely understand. So it's just a case of obviously the pharma companies wanting to stay on or – divert their attention to where the opportunity is, is at its maximum, but 
there's obviously a lot of work that's gone into the things that the attention has been diverted from. And so why not pick those up at Correct. their level of maturity, Correct. take them through those hard yards, Correct. reduce the risk to those pharma companies, which is why their yeah. attention has been diverted because it's not a sure thing. Mm -hmm. But if you then go through that, you can then present those that are likely to be successful back to them. And you've done that filtering process for oh, them, basically and taken that hard yards. Um, Fantastic idea. Fantastic business model. That What a wonderful yeah. bench to spend your time on. You must look very fondly at that bench whenever you walk past it now. Oh, uh, have you got do, a plaque on I that do. bench? This is this tradition. is where Vishal no. sat. <laughs> <laughs> I have a tradition that every employee that joins the company in Singapore, uh, I take them to uh, to that bench uh, so to visit nice. uh, as well, just, so to nice. just to show them that this was the bench where I wrote my business plan. So I'm not sure Amazing. until when the Singapore government is going to keep the bench uh, or not. Uh, <laughs> until it's there, I will keep on showing it to my employees. <laughs> Amazing. So there you have it. I love the idea of a specific bench that you go to that's inspirational, that gives you ideas, that puts you in the right mindset. I think that's something that being in a creative industry like we are, we're in comms and marketing and design and media production and all these things that require loads of ideas. I think it's actually really important to find a space that allows you to be creative. I've seen and heard this a few times on videos that I've watched and blogs that I've read and things I've actually read a book actually on how to generate ideas and it I think it's so important from reading all these things and seeing where the kind of crossover is it's actually really important to find a geographical place in space in space and time where you are more creative that you have associations of creativity with it's a space that might relax you it's a space that might excite you it's a space that might have lots in it in your eye line it might have very little in your eye line but whatever it is that clicks with you and allows you to foster ideas and creativity i think is incredibly important um I personally get it when I go outside, when I go for walks, when actually I'm allowing myself to do nothing at all. And so when Vishal talks about uh, this bench and the view and the ideas that come to him, I completely relate. I think it's incredibly important. And when you're starting a company as well, I think allowing yourself time and allowing yourself to be patient with what must be this desire to put this thing out into the world and create impact and it is incredibly exciting and all these different things but giving yourself time and being patient and putting that idea into the hands of many people and taking that feedback and iterating is i think a really important step you don't want to get that confused with taking too much time and getting stuck in the planning phase i think and i've been guilty of this in the past too many people who are entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial will have ideas about what they want to do. And I was having this conversation actually, uh, what was it yesterday? Uh, no, Saturday, uh, I gave a talk at UCL and, uh, some of the students there were asking me about how they can start companies and, and things like that. And, you don't want to get stuck in the planning phase. It is about just doing sometimes. I had a question from someone at UCL about how do people get experience? How do people actually amass the experience to just start a company? And it was funny because I was racking my brains for like books that I'd read and I can give you, you know, 10, 20, 30 books that I've read probably. Um, 
but having spoken on the podcast, it's from people that have done things. They've done the thing. They went out of the planning phase and they got experience. And broadly, that's the answer. I think, yes, be in that planning phase for long enough that you have the patience to acquire the information. But I think as soon as you start to feel that plateauing, at some point, you've got to then take the leap. Um, and Vishal got that confidence from giving that business plan to lots and lots of people. I know many companies and initiatives will start without a business plan. And that's not me saying one's better than the other. But if you are going to start a, a, a multi-million pound biotech company, it's probably useful that you do have a business plan, especially with one as strategic as uh, Orn Biosciences is. But yeah, once you get out there, get the experience and learn from it. And unfortunately, you are going to make mistakes. But... I guess for everybody listening today, um, you've heard Vishal's story. He found a creative space. He got the idea. He wrote the plan. He gave it to all those different people to get constructive criticism and critiques. He iterated on it and ultimately he got to a point where he just launched it. So for everyone listening to the podcast today, wherever you are along that journey, um, go to the next phase. However you are right now, get yourself out of this phase and go to the next phase. So if you've got an idea, get a plan written down. If you've got the plan, give it to people. If you've given it to people, give it to more people, get that feedback um, and turn that feedback into the leap. Uh, if you feel like you've gone round and round and round that feedback, you've been talking about this idea for a long time, you've got it written down, you've maybe not even getting written it down, you, you just know exactly what the next step is and you're feeling stuck in some way, you're scared, you're not sure, you're worried it might fail, whatever it is, um, this is me giving you permission to just go and do it because frankly, uh, if it fails and goes down in flames, uh, no one's going to care. No one's going to remember, but you are going to have all the experience of having done that. And so, um, yeah, why don't you do that and uh, get in touch with me and I'll bring you on the podcast and we can talk about it. Um, but yeah, if you want to come to a health tech podcast live event, uh, I've got one coming up on the 29th of February. We've uh, got a link and a code for, uh, 50% off tickets in the description of this episode. Hopefully I will see many of you that listen to this podcast there. We've got Dr. Karan Rajan. We've got Dr. Helen O'Neill, the founder of Hertility. Uh, it's going to be an awesome, uh, awesome day at the BFI. Um, and we've got drinks and stuff afterwards. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for listening and I will see you all next week. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review and you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.